Welcome to another episode of Raise the Bar from Next Chapter Ventures. We have a simple mission, getting female founders funded faster. I'm your host, Amanda Williams, and today's episode features Georgie McNee, our first investor in residence on the Next Chapter Raise platform. Georgie and her husband have made seven angel investments over the past few years. Georgie leverages her financial skills to conduct the due diligence required and manages the relationships with the founders. Today, you'll hear from Georgie as she shares her thoughts on angel investing, the importance of very clear financial projections, even in the time of COVID, and how founders can best manage their investor relationships. Georgie, happy to have you here. Can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and how you got into angel investing? Hi, everyone. Uh, great to be here today. Uh, I got into angel investing because I'm a part-time or interim CFO. I'm also a chartered accountant and through my time at PwC in London in their deals team and from working in-house in merger and acquisition roles at publicly listed businesses, so in Australia, in the UK, I then had my children and was looking for other things to do and decided that angel investing and supporting businesses as they scale up and as they grow would be something that's really in my skill set because I've seen hundreds of business plans over the years and can give them so much valuable advice. Absolutely. So now that you've got your investor hat on, what types of investments, you know, are you looking for? What what are you are there any kind of parameters they're using to to tell whether an investment is right for you? Yeah, so we have seven angel investments ranging from £50,000 up to £250,000. I prefer uh, angel or scale-up investments where they're post-revenue, they've got a proven concept and they've got customers already. So they're really ready to scale and grow their business. So we'd be investing into something that has great potential and great growth. I like direct equity investments, so not convertible loan notes or any other type of debt or equity note. I like direct investment, so then I'm getting value at the time that I invest on a valuation that is a fair valuation with a solid business plan behind it. So for example, uh, if you're taking a multiple of revenue, I like to see banked revenue, and then I like to see a multiple based on uh, market comparables. So other people in the market that have raised at similar levels or uh, where you've got a multiple that you can compare in the market. For our investment portfolio, I'm actually industry agnostic. Uh, So I like technology and I like SaaS, but we also have investments in aviation and in craft beer. And we have them all over the world. So Australia, the UK, India. Uh, Typically, when I invest, I would rather invest more money in one business and almost go large rather than sprinkle money across 10 small businesses uh, because it is a lot more for me to get my head around. And also, we'd rather just back one and be able to support it. So uh, me help them with advice or anything that they need as they grow. And then if they can prove their growth and can prove their product and their success in the market and they need to raise in the future, then we continue to back them in future rounds. Fantastic. Lots for us to follow up on in that in that answer. Let's let's start with that valuation point that you made. For some of these early stage companies, I'm sure even coming up with a multiplier, you know, how do you get started with creating that valuation? It's really quite daunting and something that founders are are nervous about. Do you normally see companies come to you with valuation already or is it something that you look at together and work through or comment on? So I would normally see people come with valuations already. So they would have a number that they've got in mind and they may have seen a similar business raise with a, with a similar valuation or something around that or in a, a parallel industry 
uh, that they think if it's software, for example, they've built a platform or they've got a product that they could compare it roughly uh, to something else so that they get evaluation. And then it's working it back to see how it works with their revenue or are they factoring in some kind of intellectual property or other things that would build up their valuation. Uh, so it is difficult. It's an area of grey. It's a der- an area that is hard to kind of pinpoint exactly what it should be but what you need to do is come up with something that looks realistic and looks compelling and then go out to the market and you really need a lead investor to do a bit of due diligence on that and be able to support uh, and invest based on that number and then you can go out to further investors and continue on from there. That's great and you know so the the companies that you're investing in you mentioned that you really like to kind of really back the companies and support them. Can you tell us a little bit about the relationship that you have with the founders that you've invested in? What kind of support is it that you're providing them? So initially, I would try and get to know them, especially for investing them in them to make sure I understand their business, I understand their background and their skills and what they bring to the table. I might provide them with contacts of other people that they need to meet to build their business in the industry uh, or with other skills that they may need for the board or within their team. Uh, might advise them on how to report, so using my financial skills uh, to give them guidance on how often they should be interacting with investors once they've raised their money, uh, so anything on quarterly performance or updates of the company and exactly what they should show investors and what they just need to look at as a management team. In the past, I've helped with reviewing investment documentation, uh, so anything for capital raises, data rooms, uh, discussing needs of the finance team or the board, introducing future customers uh, or experts. Uh, so quite a range of different things, actually. I mean, I think that's that's so valuable, and that's really where really making smart decisions around your angel investors is so very important. Do you have any advice in terms of uh, when founders are going and, and looking for an angel investor? You know, what are some of the questions that they should be asking to make sure they're getting somebody who is supportive, who can support them for future rounds? And this is a really interesting point because not only are you interviewing them, but they're also interviewing you. So it's it, it does go both ways. So asking them what their experience is, if they've got other investments, particularly other investments in the industry that you're in, what skills they have that they could help you with. Uh, so introductions or even just skills with your technology or with back office, with HR or with finance, any other investments that they've got that you could leverage and kind of sell through your product and how to build a long-term relationship with them, I think is, is really key because actually you're in it together once they invest. So it is a long-term relationship uh, to build and there are ups and downs. And if you want to raise again in the future, and you want them to support you, it's good to give them the right level of information that they need to continue following your business. Exactly. A strong relationship, good communication really is essential with your angel investor because that relationship, it's a long one. You know, that first business plan might say uh, exiting in three years, but nine times out of 10, it takes longer than that. Okay. Let's dig in a little bit into what you're looking for when evaluating a business. You must have seen so many pitches around the world. When you see a founder pitch for the first time, what are you looking for? What's going to make you book a follow-up meeting? So I usually like to see that they understand their business well and their go-to-market. I like to see something that they've got financials that support their business and their idea. So they've got 
a financial model that shows a clear picture of how they're going to grow their business and what it would mean to get uh, to say from where they are at the moment uh, to a significantly larger business. Some of the key things I look for are that they can sell, that they can sell their product even if they haven't got a sales team. I like the term can sell ice to Eskimos because I think if you can sell your product, actually you are going to grow your business no matter what uh, because you'll be able to tell everyone about your business and uh, be able to get revenue on the board. I like experience in the sector. So if they've got experience that they can show that they've worked in the sector before or maybe they've got team members that they've worked together so they're proven and they know that they can work together harmoniously over a long period of time. And passion. I think passion is really important as well, that they're passionate about their product and what they do and they're doing it for a reason. Uh, Because when times get tough or when there's long hours involved uh, and it's day in, day out, year in, year out, to be passionate about it and know that you're doing it for a particular reason really gets you through. Uh, So I think all those things are things that I would look for in the beginning. And obviously, as somebody coming from a financial background, you're not going to be impressed by the typical hockey stick curve that you see in so many pitches. Can you tell us a little bit about what you would expect from, you know, from those early conversations with founders when it comes to financial projections? What are you looking for? Financials is one area uh, that often gets left out when people are pitching or often gets pushed towards the back. And they might not be able to explain it in the same way as they can the areas of their business that they know well, which might be their product or technology or market or competitors. But actually just understanding those few key things in your financial model, so your revenue, uh, what your run rate is for costs, what your EBITDA number is, your working capital, uh, how it all flows together, any key KPIs in your business, uh, for example, Uh, number of employees or growth projections. I think they're all just key things that you can summarize on one page. It shows investors that you can be confident in your business and the financials that you know them, even at a top level, uh, just so that you can communicate what you're doing and how you're expecting it to grow. Because hockey sticks are never great. And to grow at a good pace is usually uh, more bankable and more investable than something that just shows ridiculous numbers so true about that having that confidence and just getting that that basic understanding even if financials isn't your strong suit if you're able to to talk confidently about those fundamentals it goes a long way with potential investors now we with all of your experience uh, we are certainly very excited to have you on board as our inaugural investor in residence here at next chapter raise why don't you tell us a little bit about how you might be able to help some of the founders on the platform? Of course. So any questions that they've got around understanding what it means to take on investors uh, and anything to do with financials or working capital, taking on investors, you actually need quite a bit of time because you won't be able to focus on your day job. Uh, You'll need to speak to investors and answer their questions. So you might need to leverage other people in your business and make sure they can help you with customer support or technology product development during the time uh, of investment raise. It just means that the business can continue flowing a little more easily. You might also have questions about uh, what a VC means, what evaluation means, how you should structure your pitch deck. Have you got a financial model? Is it is it good enough? Is it in enough detail? What does a data room look like? What documents, what critical information should you put in a data room? Uh, all of these questions, of course, I can help with uh, and anything else that you can think of along the way, um, 
I'm happy to answer any questions. Members, don't forget, Georgie is available the whole month of June to answer your questions. So make sure you jump on the forums. Georgie, you mentioned about the importance of really planning out your fundraise and knowing how to delegate to the rest of your team. It's really an intense process and often a longer process than any founder wants. What advice would you have for founders who are just starting to plan out that fundraising journey? You want to understand what you're trying to achieve in taking on investors. So can you grow your business just with revenue and working capital, or do you actually need to give away that equity and take on those investors? Because uh, I think a lot of people think raising money is easy. It's actually not. It takes a lot of time, and you need all the documents. And once you've got those investors on board, you need to be able to grow your business in a way that gives them the returns that they're looking for. And you really need to consider, have you got family and friends that maybe would support the business until you're at the stage where you can really grow and take on investors are there incubators or investor communities that you can join and next chapter has a great list of those that you can go through and see what incubators or communities would be right uh, for you uh, to make sure that you're following up all the sources of cash that you can any grants or anything like that uh, but it is a strenuous process and once you have those investors on board they do need the return so making sure that You've really got a plan for that and a business model and financials that reflect the growth in your business and where you can take it to is really key. Absolutely. You know, and I think you mentioned earlier about the the reporting, the governance requirements. Once you have investors, you know, having to report to them on a quarterly basis and justify your decisions, you are really taking on a, a kind of another layer of governance of oversight and, and you have to make sure you have the management time available for that. Could you tell us a little bit about one of the companies in your portfolio, just to give us an idea of what you're looking for in a business, what excites you? Yeah, of course. Uh, so the most recent investment that we've done uh, was last year before COVID hit. Uh, and it's quite an exciting blockchain solution for market research. Uh, so market research can is quite old fashioned in the way that it historically has been done, people sitting in a room. And this just completely changes the idea of market research because it could be completed by anyone, anytime on an app while they wait in a queue at Starbucks and they get paid more fairly for it. So they get paid in cash or in points that they can spend on Amazon. The survey information is accurate and real time because it's through blockchain. And the team that we invested in had worked together previously and spent a couple of years uh, with the technology, pulling the blockchain together, raised money last year and then launched at the end of last year, which was very exciting for them. They won a few big awards in Silicon Valley and uh, we feel like they're going to transform the industry because uh, it means that people can do it in their own time instead of having to email or join forums or any type of traditional market research that has historically been available in the market. Yeah, fantastic. And, you know, no limits in terms of the customer niche they're going after. You know, that's something that's required by all sorts of different companies and global as well. So portable and mobile, what an easy thing to be taking into different countries. You don't have to find the appropriate rooms or set up and all of that uh, for, for traditional testing. And with the market the way it is at the moment with COVID, just changing every industry. Actually, you want to know what your customers are thinking and you want to know what, how they're feeling and you want to react to them now. And old-fashioned ways of market research would be quite clunky in this environment. So yeah, they're really leaning into uh, how to get real-time information to people through this time, which is great. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, good. You know, I, I think we, we've said it about Next Chapter as well, you know, coming out with a digital platform right now. Some people think, gosh, you're crazy to be starting a new business now. But 
if it's a digital business and, you know, all about kind of connecting to people, it might be a, a good time after all, despite everything going on. All right. We have time just for a few final questions, and then we'll let you get back to your day job. These are questions that we are going to be asking all of the investors that join the podcast to really build up a picture of what it's like to be an investor and understand some of the best practices out there. First one I have for you is besides your financial skills, obviously, what skills have you brought over from your corporate life into your role as an investor? It's a really good question, actually, because there's so many from working in big corporates for many years. Uh, When I see startup businesses, sometimes they don't have the rigor uh, and maybe some of the processes involved in the background as a big corporate would. And if you're in startup world, uh, some of these things are great. So um, around board structures, how, what kind of board would you appoint? Who would you put on your board? How do they help you and how should that work? Uh, are you looking at a risk register and what are the risks in your business and have you ranked them and do you discuss them at a meeting on a monthly or quarterly basis to make sure that you've got them all covered or are you kind of fending off any new risks that come to your business? Uh, have you got a delegation of authority? So as new employees join your business, who signs off on authorizing spend and how do you set a budget and how do you stick to that budget and report against that budget so everyone in the business knows the direction of the business and what they can spend and can't spend. Uh, so quite a few things like this are things that I would discuss at the board level or through arrays as to what people have got uh, in their internal control structure just to make sure that their business is a little tighter and not as loose because if you're a founder and you've just been working with yourself or with a small team as it grows there's definitely more things you need to put in there for support. Rigor and process is certainly something that can be kind of brought over and and shared not only with the way that you're investing but also with the startups that you're supporting. Second question has COVID-19 changed the way that you're investing? Of course I think it's changed the way everyone views the world uh, right now. For us as investors, we've put pens down uh, for a while. We've just been focusing on supporting the businesses we are invested in, in any way that they need. A lot of them have gone through some challenging times and just need support. A couple have raised money. It's different for everyone. So it's a very unique situation that people react to in their own way. Finding the true value of your business in this market right now is difficult. And unless you've got a product that you can really lean into uh, with COVID, uh, for investors, I've seen many investment investors just really putting pens down and thinking that they could just wait six months and uh, see what happens, see what the fallout is from COVID. Maybe they could scoop up some bargains or consider businesses in a different light in six months' time. Uh, so it really has changed the way the investment market is working. And that's where if you're looking to raise money in the near term, I think you really need to get underneath uh, your financials in your business but also family and friends if you're raising a small round are probably the easiest to tap into because they know you and the quality of your work in the best way but if you're going out to the market you probably need to have pre-covid and uh, post-covid numbers so two sets of numbers that you can show what's happened in your business because of covid whether it's good or bad yeah that's a really good point pre and post-covid projections there's actually a really great terminology called uh ebitdac which is ebitda after COVID. That would be the, the new second uh, when you provide your EBITDA at the end of the year, you'll also be doing an EBITDAC. EBITDAC. That's a new one for me. Okay, next question. What is one thing that a founder can do to ensure a smooth relationship with their investor? For a smooth relationship with an investor, 
I think giving them the information that they need to make decisions at the right timing and making it efficient and accurate is key. If you can provide them with exactly what they need through the investment time, so if you can give them all all of the product information, competitor information, market information, all the things that you need in your data room about employees, contracts, uh, financials, team, all of those lovely things, but you can also give them very quickly and accurately your financial numbers and what you expect for the raise, what you're raising, the percentages, what they would get as an investor if they invest with you. And you can close off all their questions really quickly and lock them down. I feel like you have more success uh, in raising in that way because you've shown that you know your product, you're really efficient, you can just get things done and move on to the next thing. Investors don't have loads of time to spend looking at hundreds of businesses. They want something efficient as well. And then if they do invest and you go through to the next stage, which is reporting, you want to give them exactly what they need on a quarterly basis that gives them an update on the business, some key KPIs and management information that shows that you're all over what's happening in your business. If there is up or downturns, you're reacting to those things and providing them comfort that you really know what you're doing. And once you do that, they back off because they don't need to ask as many questions. I find the businesses that I've invested in that really know their stuff and can provide information to me in a way of updates that they really know what they're doing. I don't need to ask any more questions. I just need to thank them for sending the information. I know that they're on top of things. Uh, and I think that really helps If I for businesses that I constantly ask, need to ask questions for or I'm worried about because... I feel like they're not on top of things. That's a more difficult place to be in as an investor. Clear communication is always so, so valuable. As you're saying, all of that data, all of that information, quite frankly, every investor is after the same thing. So the more work that you can do ahead of time and preparing that data room effectively in having all of that information at your fingertips, the easier the whole process is going to be and the quicker you can go back to running your business. Couldn't agree with that more. Really good advice. Well, Georgie, thank you so much for your time today and sharing your your wisdom that you've gathered as, as a, an angel investor over the past few years. Super excited to have you on the platform and any Next Chapter Raise members out there, please feel free to reach out to Georgie on the forums and do join our community call as well. Thank you so much for joining us, Georgie. Great. Thanks, Amanda. It was fun to be here. Well, I hope all of you founders have taken notes about how to impress your next investor. Whatever you do, make sure you get confident about your numbers. Georgie had some great tips here, and we've also covered it in our Facebook Live session as well. It doesn't matter if you normally outsource finance. You need to understand the fundamentals and drivers behind your projections and be confident when you share that info with investors. And remember, when you're looking for your next investor, find somebody like Georgie who's going to add real value to your business. Tune in next week to hear from our entrepreneur in residence, Joanna Hotung, who is also answering questions on the Next Chapter Raise platform this month. Joanna reminds all you founders out there to define success for yourself and not measure your business against anybody else's. To connect with Next Chapter, follow us on social, visit our website, nextchapterraise.com, and subscribe to the podcast for more great stories to inspire, empower, and celebrate female entrepreneurs.